0: if you want to be serious about this you have to you know develop a plan develop a schedule and put yourself out there
1: hey you're listening to the creative pep talk podcast creative pep talk exists to help you thrive in your creative career i'm your host andy j pizza you can stay up to date with creative pep talk and my creative work by following me on instagram at andy j pizza let's jump into today's episode So we got our first Factor Meals, and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how, when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how Factor Meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low-calorie. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash talk 50 and use code talk 50 to get 50% off. That's code talk 50 at factormeals.com slash talk 50 to get 50% off. So I think this is going to be one of your favorite episodes, one of your favorite interviews, even if you're not familiar with Daniel Fischl, and even if you're not an illustrator. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but something real quick that I want to just say. First of all, I got some pens and patches ordered through thangmfg.co. Uh, that's the new project of These Are Things. They will help you turn your pen and patch ideas into reality. If you wanted to make an enamel pen and a patch, Design into reality but you're overwhelmed with all that go check them out they did a phenomenal job and I'm super pleased with the stuff that they made uh, with me so go check them out and then the last thing I want to say is that I'm doing a little survey uh, for you CPT listeners I just want to hear more about who you are And what you're thinking about the podcast. If you go to creativepeptalk.com slash 2017survey, you can fill all that out and help me out with uh, making this show even better for you guys. I care about you guys and I want this to be the best show uh, for you. So I want to know what you're struggling with. I want to know what you want to hear. I want to know what you like uh, and who you want me to interview. So go fill that out. Love to hear from you. Okay, so Daniel Fishel, that's who we've got on today's episode. Daniel's been a friend of mine for years now, I guess, and I think we have a really, really similar heart to share what's working in our careers with others because we care about other people succeeding, Uh, and we know how hard it is, and he's just been a kindred spirit in that way. Uh, Daniel is (laughs) a phenomenal illustrator and he's got the accolades to prove it this guy has worked with clients like the new york times and the washington post uh he has an mfa from the acclaimed sva illustration program he this dude is one of the 30 under 30 in art and style from forbes magazine these are these are serious things okay and uh daniel's top-notch in every way but beyond that beyond his just accolades as an illustrator this is a good dude with a good heart and a lot of know-how uh, he's put in the time and the sweat equity to get where he is today and uh, he did he, he learned a lot along the way and I know all of these things are gonna help you on your journey real quick I just want to say thank you Daniel for spending time uh, talking with me through all this stuff for the listeners. Dude, you are a good dude and I really really appreciate all that you do. Your work is phenomenal. Thanks for being on the show. Alright, here we go. You should be warned there are some topics and such that maybe not be appropriate for children. So, be aware. So, alright. I am super thrilled to have you on the show uh, you've been on two episodes already just in kind of small ways but uh i have been a big fan of your work for i i don't know how long probably five or six years and i've also followed your blogs and and the things you've written about creativity and illustration and i'm just super happy to have you on the show
0: yeah same like i'm um... So jazz, I've been following you since the beginning, so yeah. I feel like uh, a fan is finally getting our moment to be on here, to kind of <laughs> speak my truth, you yeah. know, speak my
1: realness, you know. That's awesome, man. Uh, so let's kick it off. I just want to kind of get caught up with what is exciting about your practice right now. Like, what are the things that are really doing it for you they're exciting you they're engaging you what are the things you're thinking about
0: well in the last couple of months uh on top of freelancing as an illustrator i've been working for a website as a staff illustrator called thrillist so what's been happening is is like every week i'm given articles to illustrate and i'm always illustrating something new and different so whether it's drawing literally a bunch of snacks for a big write off on like the top 100 snacks or doing a story. That's as simple as um, how to find a new roommate in New York city. Like, cause you know, other than Craigslist, what is there? Or like putting yeah. on Facebook, like who, or, or like doing more like investigative things. Like we ran a story on, you know, New York city sex clubs. And like, mm. what does that look like? And what does that mean? Yeah. So it's like, a lot of like weird, cool things
1: that
0: have been really cool that I've been really into and looking forward to this year, you know?
1: Yeah. And so uh, what has been cool? Because I know that like uh, for lots of creative people, there's an ebb and flow of, you know, sometimes you're full-time freelance. Sometimes you're in-house working on something. Sometimes you're on mm-hmm. a longer-term project. What have been the good things that have come from being uh, working in-house somewhere?
0: Just working in house, uh, well, the big difference is, is that I have to actually go to an office yeah. and work there. And before that, for like the last eight years, I've been working from home.
1: Mm.
0: And so like actually having someone to talk to other than my cat has been <laughs> very, very helpful. Yeah. in terms of like actually not actually going to like illustration parties like you know at the end of each year mm-hmm. and trying to remember like how to actually talk to another person
1: Dude, isn't this <laughs> a like, real thing though like the, it's too real it's messed <laughs> up i i went to a uh coffee meeting today and it'd been a little bit too long until i had that much human attention directed at me in my face and i was just like acting like the weirdest person i was just like I don't remember how to have a conversation. Like I can't, where do you, where where are you supposed to look? How long are you supposed to look them in the eye? Like I I was getting everyone and and, you know, like as soon as you're like a little bit more, uh, you know, out there, all of that goes away pretty quickly, but it's such a real thing.
0: Yeah. It's so weird. And also like I have a bunch of friends who actually, rent studio spaces and like Greenpoint and Gowanus and all that. And yeah. I could never really afford to have that extra space, yeah. let alone like having like rent in New York city, you know? Dude, so the
1: thing for me is like, even when I can afford that, I always just have this freelancer mentality of like, why aren't you saving that money? Like that's like overhead that you don't have to have. And i part of that I think is me being an introvert. So I don't need that cooperative you know whatever to to exist um but yeah so so do you feel like you're personally in a more healthy place by having to interact with people all the time
0: i think so and that was something that i kind of looked at uh last year when i was like 29 i was about to turn 30 at the end of the year and i'm like what are some things in my life that i can do to improve like my overall like
1: happiness
0: happiness physical mental health and all that and you know part of it was like i need to find some kind of way to have city income so the two different routes i can go is is find a staff illustrator job or find a like a full-time teaching position with like a full tenure track and uh a staff illustrator job kind of popped up and i knew that my friend Jason was, like, working at Thrillist, so that was, like, a really nice kind of in to all that, but also, like, the fact that, like, so many of my friends uh, that I know have, like, in-house jobs, either full-time or part-time already.
1: Yeah.
0: So well, I was just really, like, fortunate and kind of lucky to kind of come across that. Yep. Um. So and that, and also, like, the fact that, like, be able to oh, totally, like...
1: Illustration in-house.
0: Yeah, and, like, it's really great because... Uh, Like this job basically pays all my bills, and so all the freelance money that I make is so that like if I want like basically my biggest ambition in life is that I want to get to a point where I can go to a restaurant and not have my main meal in the appetizer menu. Yeah. But like, also order like a main meal and have dessert like yeah. at the same time. Like yeah. that's like my biggest goal in
1: life. I think maybe your biggest goal would it. be to transcend the search results of Danielle Fishel. I mean, that would be
0: great to do that. But <laughs> You're sometimes gonna always
1: compete with Topanga.
0: I'm always going to compete with her. Like the first year and a half of my career was basically just getting emails from people saying. Hey, so, uh, I really liked you in Boy Meets World and all that. And it's so great that you're also doing this other creative <laughs> pursuit. And I'm like, I am
1: that not crazy. that person. That would have been it's an so- amazing, uh, career move to document though. If she had gone from Boy Meets World to a full-time illustration career.
0: I would have been like, girl, like you are <laughs> stepping on me right now. Like what are you <laughs> doing?
1: Uh, that is hilarious. Um... <laughs> But-
0: I actually, she actually uh, did a book signing on uh, the Upper East Side, I want to say, yeah. in Manhattan. And I actually went, And I had a, I had a, I had a her. I bought her book just so she could sign it, and so that I could have a photo <laughs> of me and her posing. And I posted That's it on Instagram.
1: Awesome. I, I, and I don't know if I've, I've
0: had that. so. I, I think I had like over 200 like people liking that photo which is like the most anyone's liked any photo I'm like, like not even <laughs> my illustrations get that much likes.
1: That's so funny.
0: I'm like happy if I break 100 but that got like two over 200 likes and I was just like man this is great. She I was love it. it.
1: When I was a like a young teen she must have been like one of my first crushes. I hate that we've like segued into making this conversation. <laughs> about we're we're having news night right? <laughs> 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 uh, it's like
0: her and Alex Mack you were like yeah. the two people that everyone had a crush on in the
1: 90s totally yeah uh, so <laughs> back to uh, <laughs> paying, paying your bills uh, one yeah. of the things so early on especially uh, for me like paying my bills I think one of the things that's weird about an illustration career is that you're not like you know, getting this job at Thrillist is a unique opportunity. There aren't tons of jobs for illustrators. So you get, you build this portfolio, you, you know, you put all your eggs in this basket and then you're kind of in trouble in some ways in terms of making money. And luckily, I had like a design background, but my early years, um, there were definitely, there in the first couple of years, there was just tons of struggling and paying bills was a massive issue for me. And I wonder if uh, how having that cushion and that security has affected your creative work.
0: Well, I, first I want to note and, and and say that there are actually a lot more in-house jobs available. It's just the majority of them are not like my job where I'm basically doing editorial illustration, which is what I started out being. Yeah, totally being true. Yeah. But they're mostly in like animation where you're doing storyboards, or yeah. you're doing... Yeah background color and all that. So there's, there's a lot more, but the thing is, is like, I don't know if you want to move to Burbank, California or not. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. But anyway, back to kind of creativity. I think that in part because uh, the work that I do at Thrillist uh, is more narrative and less conceptual Mm -hmm. versus the work that I do for uh, other freelance clients and also for myself Uh, for my gallery work and all that is a little more conceptual. It's a little, it's a little more weird in a way is like, I'm able to go and, you know, Monday through Friday from 10 to seven, basically do very narrative work. And, you know, and then uh, that flexes like one kind of part of my brain. And then Mm -hmm. I go and flex my other kind of brain, you know, in the mornings and the evenings during the week and even on the weekends. So I can, you know, it's, if anything it's like made me not be bored because you know in you know some hours of the day i'm doing narrative work and other days i'm doing conceptual work so yeah. it's 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 really fun
1: do you feel like that cushion has allowed you to step back and be a little bit more i don't know strategic in the way that you see the rest of your career unfolding rather than like early on one of the things that was a big issue for me was like in those first couple years where I'm like struggling to pay bills it's really affecting my decision making in terms of how I develop my practice because everything's Mm -hmm. determined by is this going to make me money next month rather than you know where do I really want to take this career do you feel like that Cushion has created uh, a safer space to think more long term or more creatively.
0: It's definitely taking me out of uh, survival feast and famine mode for right. sure. Yes, and also it's made me less annoying to clients that are like a week or two late. Yeah, when I'm like, <laughs> so like instead of me being like, you know, if they paid me. Uh, Like right now I could literally pay my gas bill or like whatever, you know, yep. Uh, to now I'm just like more chill about that. And I'm, I've like changed my strategy, my promotional strategy a bit so that, and also the fact of the matter is too, is that I'm able to now uh buy more expensive promotional
1: like pieces so to actually you- go ahead. What were you saying?
0: Oh well, yeah, like to send out. So like for for years, I just kind of stuck to like four by six postcards and sending out emails. Yeah. And now, like I'm sending less emails out, but now I am like sending out folded postcards with like stickers in it and pins, and, like all that, which is like, uh, you know, costs a lot more. You know, yeah. sending out like 200 postcards is like a hundred bucks or whatever. Whereas, like, these folded cards and with the stamps and everything was like over $1,000, mm. which is like, in like, in like, like a year ago, I wouldn't have considered like ever doing that. Like, yes. it would have like, cause it's like, by the time I would have been able to like buy each piece, like, individually build toward that, I would have been like, oh, the work is like
1: already old and past that.
0: Like, yeah. I need to not send this out. Yep. You know, so.
1: Yeah. And I mean, for me, uh, I eventually had to take on some like contractual uh, retainer design clients. And that ended up giving me a cushion to where I wasn't in scrambling mode. And I feel like early on, so many creative people are tempted to take shortcuts that end up becoming long cuts because you can't invest in your career. You can't do those kinds of things. Um, yeah, but
0: it also I think too that those are also very important to, to take on in the very, very early odds because, uh-huh. you, like, especially if you're like 22 coming out of college yeah. and you know you have some design shops and all that, it's it's good to do that because sometimes not every like like out of a class of 50 coming out of a illustration program, like maybe like two or three are like. Definitely solid enough to like really go hard and do it. While like the majority of like everyone else, maybe they're good, but like they need another like two three years of like making good work and you know saying what they want to say and Mm -hmm. really figuring it out before they actually kind of get to that moment. Uh, And and the unfortunate thing is, is that like some people quit. You know, they just stop because it's too hard, and some people they continue on, you know, and they kind of make it. But I think, you know, those are all kind of important things that are kind of part of the journey of being a creative person, Yeah, you know?
1: I wanted to talk to you about, we, we kind of discussed this idea of going through kind of the top five things that have had a massive impact on your career, the things that you have done intentionally or learned along the way that have had a big impact on your career. Uh, what would be the first thing on that list?
0: Oh, for sure. Um, we, we already kind of started to touch upon it, but uh, the first thing would definitely be
1: grit. Mm, um, grit.
0: You know, when I graduated from... You know the University of the Arts, it was around 2009, it was the year after the big economic
1: collapse. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> you know, I graduated the exact same time, so I totally know what you're talking about.
0: You know, so in our teachers were like, Look, man, like if you want to be serious about this, you have to, you know, develop a plan, develop a schedule, and put yourself out there. Uh, and you, you know, and I was like, All right, so. You know, what I did was uh, I did the research and mm-hmm. I went into talks. And, like, there's an artist talk at the Society of Illustrators by an illustrator. Um, and uh, they basically, I'm not going to say who that is, uh, but <laughs> he, he's kind of a dick. But right, anyway, right. he did have some really good advice. Yeah. And his, his advice was basically uh, there's no real silver bullet promotion, it's you have to go, you have to do everything. Dude, that, you know, I that love you that still, advice.
1: And I've actually, yeah. I've just started telling that to people like you need yeah. to quit thinking that there's some magic marketing tool that's going to solve all of your wildest marketing dreams.
0: Totally. Yeah. And, but the thing is too, is that you should only do the things that you feel comfortable with
1: too. Yeah. Right.
0: So for instance, I literally do everything mm-hmm. from, you know, I send out postcards, uh, in a very scheduled way throughout the year. I yeah. send out you know, emails, both email blasts and personalized emails individually. Mm -hmm. Um, I send letters out with notes after I, you know, finish uh, assignments with people that I really enjoy uh, at the end of the year.
1: Can I just pause you real quick and ask you, within emails and postcards and direct marketing, that's something that I haven't had tons of success with. And I think we're in different markets and we've, you know, had different, you know, things that we've tried and, and whatever, but I get these questions about direct marketing all the time and I'm wondering what are the things that you have learned over the years that are effective mm. in ter- and not in not in well, not in terms of just like the illustration world per se, but just more just like when you're approaching someone you want to work with directly, what mm. are the things that you've learned that have really helped you in that pursuit?
0: Well I mean, first and foremost, you need to realize that uh, the difference uh, between email promotion and direct, like physical promotion, yeah. is that a physical promotion is something that you want to send to someone that you hope that they kind of see and hold on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's I see that as like the long game. Right. That yeah, you're good. you're 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 making something that's tangible that they want to keep. Mm. An email is just a quick reminder that you exist. And occasionally you will get an email back from them saying, Oh, we were just looking for someone just now. Mm. And you kind of like hit it where like lightning strikes at the right time, or maybe later in the week, they remember the email uh, and they kind of look back at it and they're like, we were just thinking about you. So there's a much more quicker response with emails that I've had. And a lot of people have, but I've also had people email me to do an assignment, uh, and they're like, I've had this postcard that I've loved for two years that you sent me, and I want to finally hire you for the right job, and that's so satisfying in the same way.
1: And I think these two points are massive because so many uh, people think, if I can just figure out the exact right way to directly approach the clients I want to work with, then then instantly everything will change. But the two things you're saying that are just essential when thinking about marketing are one long game. You're thinking over the long haul, if I invest in these areas at some point, there will be some kind of payoff. And then also not like, Hey, I'm selling myself to you. Please do, you know, please hire me. But more just like, Hey, remember me, just be aware. I'm still doing stuff and just reminding people you exist. The long game and reminding you people you exist is like the whole Mm -hmm. game with that. But so many people get caught up in like sales or like, you know, I want to, I, I need to change my life right now. I'm going to send a hundred emails and then they get discouraged because it's not going to change your life like that. Also,
0: I would say don't send a hundred emails, send 500 emails, but that's just me.
1: But (laughs) (laughs) dude, I love that. And that's one of the things that you and I are so much on the same page about is that Um, you know, I feel like you and I are totally legit illustrators. We've worked really hard Mm -hmm. at our craft, but more than anything, we may not be, uh, the freakish, crazy, uh, you know, lottery winners in the creative world, but we have Mm -hmm. put in the time and effort, the blood, sweat, and tears to take things, uh, into Mm -hmm. our own hands. So... Right. Totally. Yeah.
0: Also like, you know, to kind of end my point to, uh, on the topic of grit, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether you send out uh, a handwritten letter, uh, after the job or at the very end of the year, uh, it's important to send a letter, like a handwritten letter to the people that you worked with, uh, whether it's for a $250 alternative weekly spot illustration or, you know, the, $3,000 you just got for, like, you know, a cover assignment, like, or, you know, a book cover, or how much ever for the advertising campaign, I feel like it's very important to, or even if it's a client that you worked with last year, but didn't work with this year, to, like, actually write them a a handwritten letter, uh, and being, being very genuine and being like, it was really great working with you, um, and I hope to work with you next year. However, you know, you want to write the letter. Like, yeah. it, you know, because I've definitely had people hire me like a few weeks to a month later being like, it's really great that you wrote me this letter because you're actually like a real person, <laughs> like yeah. with like real genuine feelings about this. And like yeah. now I want to like hire you again even more. You can never so, underestimate
1: like, the power of making a real connection, especially even that person that gave you that tiny little job. The fact of the matter is their career isn't over. And in five years, they're going to be working on bigger jobs. And and if you've created a good relationship with that person, you get to come along for the ride and and continue working with somebody. Like there are people that I've worked with for years and years as they've moved around, uh, as well as how I've changed, you know?
0: Oh, totally. Which brings me to my next point. Um, as much as you may have a lot of grit and you want to put yourself out there and you're making new work and you're being an animal about it. Uh, (laughs) Patience is so important. Patience. totally. Uh, You know, it's because uh, I've, I've definitely had points where uh, and I, and you know, let me be real. I look at the New York times op-ed page every single day and it's not, only because I'm a very opinionated person it's because I want to be on that goddamn page like (laughs) you know I've I've never I've worked with other sections of that website but I've never done an op-ed and uh, you know one of these days I I feel like you know an art director is gonna leave there and a new art director is gonna come in and they're gonna favor someone with my way of storytelling Yep. And that's going to be the day that I'm going to finally do my first op-ed. But mm-hmm. uh, but this is also is reflective of, like, other things, too. It's like I've wanted to do things for other magazines, newspapers, and publications or whatever. But, like, sometimes it's taken me years to actually achieve that, uh, even at the beginning of my creative practice, mm. like – You know, the first two years out of undergrad, I was promoting myself as an illustrator while in graduate school, which, you know, let's be honest, is like uh, kind of a cop out in a sense of me, uh, because in a sense, I was in school and I was promoting myself and I was still working out a lot of the issues and I was getting feedback from a studio of people then. And then I was like all alone with my cat. (laughs) <laughs> for the years following but like in that time i was in this like weird little bubble where i was able to promote myself and all that but not everyone has that luxury right but you know even if i didn't i would still be pushing myself out there i'd probably have uh, a retail job or something to kind of like keep myself afloat in some kind of way if i didn't mm-hmm. do that until i had come to that point like 2 years after i started promoting myself growing as an illustrator and everything to kind of get to that point why so, do you
1: think patience is important, though? Like, why is, you know, and I, you know, I have my own ideas of why I think it is, but I'm curious uh, to know, well, like, what do you think it does for you if you can have some patience?
0: It's not so much about, well, let me put it in this way. So, if you have a lot of grit, what yeah. can happen is the opposite. You look like you're impatient. mm uh, so mm. for instance, I've or
1: desperate or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So like talking, so the great thing about living in New York, which is another privilege of mine, mm. uh, that m- not many people have is I'm able to become friends with art directors and talk to them, you know, talk shop and all that. Mm. And one thing that they w- would, when I'd be talking to one and they're like, Oh, today I've had this guy email me and he's emailed me like one, uh, every two weeks for the last like two months. <laughs> yeah. And two, I don't know if he has my email on like multiple email lists, right. but he's emailed me twice or three times in the same day that same exact email. Yes. So like that's the other problem too uh, is that if you if you don't keep track of yourself and understanding that you know you got to have things on a schedule and not be too overly ambitious about sharing what you do mm. uh in in some ways a promotion that that can be actually hurtful to not only your career but also your own motivation of being like what i've been emailing people every time like every two weeks like why isn't everything happening is because yes. yeah you're being annoying and like no one that too like i can just imagine like someone who just keeps doing it and they just kind of lose the
1: spirit a little bit yes and I, one of the things that I've found that I try to tell uh, people that are just getting started is like the first year you're going to put in all this time and energy and you're going to get two clients and you're going to be like, yes, two clients. The next year you're going to get two clients. But the year after that, you're going to get three because one of them's going to return. And then the year after that, you know, and after eight years, it starts to compound with interest. And if you have the patience to make it that far, all of a sudden you have such a weird web of... An ecosystem of clients that are coming in, and it only happens through time. You know, there's no other. You know, part of the formula. You have to just put in the time, and, and slowly but surely make progress. And if you do, it will eventually compound into a sustainable thing. Right. So you know.
0: You know, and with that, you know, talking about energy and all that yes. comes up to the idea of like equanimity. Mm. You know, um, you yes. know, when I lived yes. in Philadelphia, yeah, when I lived in Philadelphia, uh, and I was, you know, studying illustration at the University of the Arts, um, I sat and I like hung out with these dudes who are part of like this uh, like American Buddhism movement called Dharma Punks, which yeah. was like kind of formed by like Noel Levine out in California. He wrote like a great book, called, uh, a memoir called. Uh, dharma punks Mm. which talks about him like growing up in like 1970s and 80s punk like like los angeles california doing drugs and like having sex with all these people and then like eventually like finding buddhism as like a new way and putting it through like a very punk rock lens Mm. and then he ended up writing a really great book called against the stream which is like a very practical way uh to write about buddhism in a very modern sense uh so so that you know you can choose to be celibate or not and know that if you don't be celibate like these are the issues you run across to try to find like some kind of like balancing within your life Mm. so that's cool within that is like this teaching about like uh thinking about equanimity in the way of like knowing that problems are going to have happen within your life and other people's life and like talking with them and the understanding to let go of the fact that you can't solve everyone's problems and you have to be okay with that, Mm -hmm. or you can't solve all of your problems. And sometimes you just have to let go of that. Like for instance, I know that a problem that I'm, since we talked about the New York times op-ed, uh, I know that there might be a point when I'm 70 years old and I'm Just kind of have to let go of the fact that maybe the op are (laughs) going (laughs) to Damn, come on, people! So so I have to be okay with the fact that that might be a thing. Another issue is that uh, unlike, just like you, um, I put myself out there on Twitter and uh, on the internet. In in different capacities. And I do talks at schools and everything. And part of that is what I do is I talk to students and I give them advice.
1: Yeah.
0: They don't follow up on my advice. And they don't become the illustrators that I see that they can be. And, uh, And when they don't, it's heartbreaking. In the fact that I have to actually try to find a way to let go of that energy of like, How hurtful I feel because I feel like did I not say the right thing to like make it click in them?
1: I get so obsessed with that.
0: Yeah, so that's something that I've had to actually um, overcome in a way. And once I overcame that, it became a lot easier to uh, feel great when someone actually takes my advice and like runs with. And also, I it you know it made me be able to be okay uh, with the fact that maybe they don't or, and that is even even reflective of my own life, you yeah. know, yeah. that it can be applied as well. It's such a great concept and idea.
1: In terms of like remaining calm throughout the storm, do you feel like you're better at riding uh, the kind of roller coaster of freelance and, and illustration and creativity just in terms of, Uh, bidding for jobs or trying to get that particular job or a job falling through or all of that stuff of, you know, I think every type of creative, whether you're an actor, a writer, whoever you are, you're going to experience a lot of that up and down, like you're going to get it, but then you don't get it. And then, you know, have you, do you, A, do you feel like you're better at writing that? And B, maybe there are some things that have helped you do that and, uh, and see maybe why that is good or helpful. Um, yeah. Any of that you can just run with.
0: Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's a lot to kind of take in, but. Uh... Know, I'm sorry.
1: I had so many things <laughs> that I wanted to download, but I, I wanted to hit it from several angles because for me, yeah. that's such a massive thing. And it's such a big part of this whole career. It's so up and down. It's so all over the place. And I, I just think... wonder, you can start with like, are you yeah. better at doing, think... dealing with it?
0: I think that the idea of just just being okay with the fact that there's enough work to kind of go around Mm. for the most part. And that's
1: such an important thing to try to embrace. I totally
0: agree. Oh, totally. And like, you know, as long as you kind of keep that in mind and whether or not you get that assignment or that project that you're bidding for or whatever, like, you know, I, I – I've had two instances where I was up for like a really big job that would have like paid for the rest of the year. Yeah, I've been there, and, tons of times. I definitely remember being like, "Okay, what do I need?" And I go and I buy like fifty dollars worth of paper and I buy a new paintbrush and all <laughs> this because I'm like, "I'm ready to, sit I'm ready down to three kill months this job." And then yeah, uh, nice. I'm told that it went to another illustrator, and I'm just like, "Whoa, that's fifty dollars I could have like maybe spent on food at the grocery store." Uh, now what kind of yeah. like thing? But yeah. I, that it over time you just kind of like you find little ways to uh, pull yourself out of that, whether that's through you know finding something like going for a run to clear your head or meditation or whatever. Like everyone has their own way to find a way to just kind of clean this late for the day yeah. and kind of like start anew after a setback like that. I've heard like actors. What were
1: you we going to say?
0: Or even like just
1: anything really. But yeah, yes. wh-
0: what do actors do?
1: I've just heard uh, even actors talking about like when they're on a pilot or they're trying out a new show or whatever they're like until it is aired on TV until that moment, I don't celebrate it, and I think for me, I, when you sign so contract,
0: what's that? yeah, it's
1: like even after you sign a contract, like you never know, like that that project might never see the light of day. Like you might get paid, you know, you might finish the project, and they still might cut it. Like, um, you know, I've and been in every I, situation.
0: I, I see it as this: if you sign the contract, all I see is, is like, hey man, I'm still gonna get a kill fee. Getting like, paid. That's, that, right. that's how I view it, totally, you know. Man. I do think like at some point
1: that's where you grow up and you're like, look, I'm getting paid. It's all fine. It's going to be fine.
0: Uh, And like, like secretly you might want to be like, Oh, I'm going to share this with like a few friends, but for the most part, (laughs) this can't can't kick on Tumblr, you know,
1: this is a thing that, uh, you know, I think only probably illustrators and, and people like that have to deal with this. Like, you know, have you ever had to work on a project that you couldn't tell anybody about that actually did go out there?
0: Yeah. I, I've had to, like, sign, like, like three, like, non-disclosures yeah. to uh, work on a project for Moleskin, oh. And I was, <laughs> and, like, I was able to finally, like, show what I did, like, after it, like, the actual thing went live. Yeah. And I showed, like, what my sketches looked like for the project. And I think part of it was just me, like, overpricing it because I didn't know what I was doing and also the fact that I was just like I didn't really understand quite what they wanted Yeah. so the combination of those two of just not having enough communication with the client to know like maybe I shouldn't try to fit like crazy little illustrations in like a part of a packaging and right. like actually <laughs> draw the goddamn packaging like of the thing It's I'm gonna have on the thing you know so like things like that that kind of like in, in hindsight you're just like ugh but <laughs> you know at the same time you just got to let go and be like That's right. i mean another cool project is going to come up which anyway, th- anyway brings me to my next point uh yeah. of empathy yes. you know you know you know you and i just talked about like things that are so relatable like we yes. just you know not getting jobs all that and that that's such a really good thing to to bond with another mm. person all that. Mm-hmm. So like what happens sometimes too is that I I have talked with another a couple of illustrators who have moderate success but they're yeah. not like really gunning it and to actually be in that position where I've had like dry spells and I've had rain yep. a lot of times I can yep. talk to them on a very like even level and yes. and you know, and with that, uh, you know, you're able to also apply that to your just everyday life. You know, yes. oh, like you know, you got into a car accident. I did too when I was 17, and like it was like the worst. Yeah. But we all lived, and we all walked away from it. And the same thing is like with you know, your creative practice. Mm. You know, we we all have moments where we sit down, we break some bread with some people. You have a drink or whatever your thing is that you want to do. And we can share these experiences, you know, online, in person, at a conference, whatever.
1: This is one of the reasons that, you know, I meet a lot of creative people uh, or talk to them over the internet that are in their little bunkers doing their creative work, totally disconnected from face-to-face relationships over creativity. And it's one of the reasons why I'm like, you have to at whatever cost get face to face with other people in your market in your niche that you can be honest with and really connect with because that more than anything not only does it propel your career forward because you know just the infinite amount of things that come from that it will make you more sane as a person
0: yeah and also it makes you stop being like a business person for a minute and be a person. Oh my gosh, you know, help
1: me about it. And I suck at that so bad, but you know, going to a conference and having a few beers and and just being people with other people that can relate is like so therapeutic. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. That's really good, man. Yeah. I think empathy is underrated. I think especially in a world where, you know, this idea of personal brand is proliferated everywhere so that everybody feels like they have to keep up this front. Uh, it can feel really lonely and isolating. So I think lending an ear and uh, being honest about your own struggles is a massive, massive thing.
0: Right, right. And, you know, I when I interned for Jessica Hish, she, like, told me, like, when you put yourself on the internet, you should put your, like, basically like 95% of like your truest self and leave like yeah. the freak flag, like from being on the yeah. internet, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, you know, like that weird thing that you do, like just don't tell anyone about it. Yeah. Like <laughs> let your partner know, let yeah. your some of your close friends know, but.
1: That's good advice. That that, that's really head. good advice actually. <laughs> yeah. Because not just not the hiding part per se, but I think, I do think a lot of people misunderstand uh, people like Jessica Hish, who are big sharers, uh, sometimes think they're seeing everything, but knowing that, you know, there are certain things that you can just keep for yourself and keep some boundaries. Yeah.
0: And there's also conversations that she just doesn't want to have on the internet too. Yeah. And I'm exactly the same way, which like another point too, I had a coworker ask me, are you really that into cats? And I'm like, yeah. I am. I love my cat and, I, and I'm obsessed with cats. That's and he thought it was like a whole persona that I was putting on. I'm like, no, it's me.
1: <laughs> the cat I'm persona. Right
0: now.
1: Yeah. Dude, for me, I, this is some, like a kind of a touchy subject for me because I have always been a cat person, but my right. dad and my brother are severely allergic. So I can't oh. even have one if I want to see them ever again.
0: Oh, wow. Like, you can't you can't have a cat at your place and then be like, well, you can't visit my home anymore. Exactly. But I can see you, or is it like to the fact that like you have to put on new clothes new before
1: clothes, you leave the everything. house? Yeah.
0: Oh so wow, like that's
1: me, or it's like cats, or my dad and my brother.
0: That's that's such a sad thing. I know cats it is so sad. Th- I've
1: never well, anyway, bond with my people. Anyway, let's get. I, I have
0: one last point. Let's uh, see which is, uh, humbleness. Mm. And, you know, as which on the internet, uh, one of the problems is, you know, between grit and humbleness is like, as much as you want to share, like everything that you're doing at the same time, you want to also just kind of put it out there and just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, like, one of the big big conversations that I have with like one of my best friends who's an illustrator is we always find it really funny how people always say they're an award-winning illustrator. <laughs> it's
1: like... <laughs> like, I am an award-winning illustrator. I won the award for number one cutest baby at the fair when I was one. Yeah. Yep.
0: I mean, I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records. You but- are... Yeah, in 1987, uh I was put in the Guinness Book of World Records. I don't know if it's it, it's on the books or they just scrapped it cuz they're like this isn't a real thing anymore, but my mom has a newspaper clipping. Basically what happened was the IRS sent uh paperwork saying that I owed money to the government. And my mom's like, "He's not even a year old. What are you doing?" Like, said <laughs> so the
1: youngest person to ever owe money. Yeah. To the government.
0: Yeah, that like, was, there's I mean, news clips of me being on news shows, being like, <laughs> Younger's first, never paid taxes, and all that, or whatever, has to, owe taxes. And so you can put that oh. in your press column on your website, all these, I,
1: yeah, all these awards and TV things, yeah. That's yeah, hilarious. but
0: I mean, like, I, I actually, like, uh, a few years ago tried to look for that stuff, so uh, I I really can't find it anywhere. I, I really want to, just so I can. 'Cause it's such a really funny thing to, yeah, like find awesome. out, like growing up that at least in the nineteen eighty seven or nineteen eighty eight book, like that there's pro- so my name is probably somewhere in
1: there. Youngest guy to ever own ta- owe taxes. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. <laughs> Which is like also the lamest thing <laughs> that you have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is not not a great record to upset. No, it's not, not like I juggled
0: something all. or whatever. <laughs> but you know, uh, but you know, and and the other thing too is is like there's an illustrator who i who i mentioned earlier but won't mention their name yeah who uh has made controversial magazine covers yeah and that illustrator goes and not only like posts the the magazine cover and then gets the praise but then goes and posts like screenshots of Uh, television shows that show the cover and make a big deal about it and it's like there's a point to where you can be like hey man it's cool that you like showed the cover and then maybe been like made a collage of like these different clips and put it into another post but I don't need you to have like put it on blast for like the next three days of like the same cover and all these shows talking about it. Yeah. You know, whether it's like an appropriate cover or not. Yes. You know, for with the topic that has yet to be talked about on this podcast. Yeah. But like <laughs> you know Yes, I totally so, understand that.
1: I think for it, me, one thing that is dangerous is when The more time you spend online and the less time you spend in the real world, the more your metric for normal gets out of whack. And Mm -hmm. so you get so entrenched in your own career, your own world, your own, you know, you get so disconnected that you end up making choices on social media that you wouldn't make in real life. And that Mm -hmm. becomes really detrimental.
0: Right. And I have a really good example of that as well, uh, where I had to actually uh, check my privilege a little bit on on the point. Mm. Uh, So when Hurricane Sandy hit, um, I wanted to tell Twitter basically, hey, if you're thinking about considering me for an illustration job, I still have power in my apartment and I can totally work for you. Which, unlike... On one level, is totally appropriate because yeah. you want work,
1: yeah.
0: but at the same time, there are illustrators <laughs> living in Manhattan and parts of Brooklyn that don't have power, <laughs> and I'm being a total dick and being like, "Hey, you don't want to hire? Uh, I don't know, Chris Buzelli. Yeah. You can hire me. You know, like, that's so you funny. Know? Yeah, and like." uh you know and i've talked to chris like later and he was like yeah i had to like go uptown to another illustrator's like apartment to like scan my big oil painting for a job <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was God. due that day Ooh, and that's hilarious. oh so, you know so you, you have to like also understand on that level it's not just about like parading around the fact that you got an award or The fact that like something you did got so much press, but also understanding like where you're coming from and like what you're putting out there and how you're saying it and and what you're saying, you know? And so it's all like very important on a very even level, so.
1: So uh, I think that is all of the points that you had that you wanted to bring to the table, right?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I wanted to end on was, what is a thing that you are working through in your career right now, either something you're struggling with or something fresh that you're investigating that is, um, yeah, just on your table right now?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, th- there's two big things right now. Um, is How can I push the work that I'm doing uh, at Thrillist, that's my staff illustrator job, to push them in ways to kind of take more risks with the work that I'm making, Mm -hmm. doing more conceptual work. And how can I push my own personal work even further uh, to kind of push the boundaries of what I'm doing? So one thing that I want to do more is make work that has less to do with figurative work Mm. and do more conceptual still life kind of things that I feel like Really cool or how can I like mix mosh some things together yeah, that I think would yeah. be really cool way another thing too that I want to figure out how to do is uh, put more opinion into my work right now mm-hmm. you know uh, you know la- you know the last couple of years I've been trying to figure out how to inject my identity into the work that I've been doing yeah. you know when I was an undergrad you know, we talked about uh, Danielle Fishel for, like, a minute. And part of the reason why I, I got that was because I didn't have a photo of myself on my website for, like, the longest time. And part of that was just my understanding of seeing, like, you know, one or two illustrators that I knew of uh, that were, like, you know, black or Hispanic or whatever. And they were always given, like, oh, you're historical. Your Hispanic, you're getting all the Hispanic based kind (laughs) of work or whatever. Uh, And I wanted to kind of position myself so that I could do a broad range of work. Mm. And now that I'm kind of coming to a point where I'm more comfortable with my identity as a trader and just as a black person and someone who's biracial, who's both black white, and who's both lived in a place of privilege and also has been racially prejudiced against, you know, and in, in different ways, different points in my life is like I've been wanting to have start a conversation within my work to kind of do that. But the last couple of years, I've been struggling to try to make sure that when I say something in the work, that it actually says it, and is it necessarily? It, it's like the least offensive to all people that look yeah. at it, like. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be sterile, but at the same time,
1: You're I don't professional want to know. And this is your career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't want someone to look at it and be like, oh, is this anti-white? I'd be like, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's talking about things that are very important to me. Like, as uh, it's, it's, a black person and also it's a white person and, and all this. And that's something that, you know, is it overnight? Like I, when, uh, you know, Richie Pope was in town, uh, a couple of months ago for American illustration, uh, party, yeah here in the city uh that was something that him and i talked about and he was saying like you know this is not something that happens overnight like it's something that you have to educate yourself on and learn about how to talk about and learn the history about things so that when you do and start to go and have these conversations that um you're able to have like a like be able to say it in the way that you want to say it and yeah I, I started to say that with some of the assignments that I've been uh, assigned where they're like, Oh, like and I just recently did a piece for Columbia journalism review about how there's a lack of black journalists uh, in both local news and in new media. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was able to start to implore some of these things that I've been thinking about and ways of showing uh, these kinds of stories in my work, uh, like in that piece and in some other pieces that I did recently, and that's been very cool and something that I want to explore more but I also know that I don't need to put it out there tomorrow because it's a topical conversation. Right. I can actually take my time and actually say the conversations and tell the stories that I want to say in a very personal way when I'm ready to and when I'm ready to flesh it out in yeah. a very good accurate way.
1: That's awesome. And actually I think that that is such a uh this is such a fascinating point for me. Because, you know, when you're 18, 20, you have all these illustrators, all these creative people, all these designers, all these artists telling you, you really need to speak your truth. You need to express yourself. You need to uh, make work that is you. And I think at that time, they, they encourage a lot of people who don't know themselves, don't know what they think to try to put these ignorant ideas into their work, you know, that these half, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that, you know, that there's learning and there's all kinds of good things that can come out of that. But I think uh, the point that you just made that I think is really, really massive and fascinating is putting in the work to really know what you really think. And I think mm-hmm. for me, that was massive.
0: Right. And I think like the first roadblock that I hit to make me kind of like, take a step back was when I was an undergrad and I was making all of these images that were very politically left leaning yeah. and very like, you know, in a very certain way. And basically I would get hit the hardest with criticism of like the content that I was drawing and being like, I don't know. Like, do you really believe all this? Yeah. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And you would be like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, or like it's it's kinda of like in the same sense of like having uh like you know that like nineteen, twenty year old opinion of being like, Oh yeah, it's the system man. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and yeah. it's
1: like what about the system? Like <laughs> like let's tell hear us, your knowledge on these issues. Yeah.
0: Please, please say more. And we'd be like, Uh <laughs> like, you know, I didn't have an answer. So and actually
1: I think, you know, when I was uh younger, I feel like Uh, I had all that pressure to like put your opinions in all of the work, and I think one of the reasons you're not you you don't run to the chance to do that is that you're kind of aware of your insecurities in these opinions because you know how little you know. So you're like, I might identify in this or that way, but part of me is insecure about it because I can't really say that it's totally genuine or authentic or whatever. And Going on the journey to really figure that out is a big part of the equation, and it's one of the privileges of being a creative person is getting to do that self work um, through all of it.
0: Right, you know, but at the same time, you also don't want to discourage people from uh, exploring in trying. Yeah. trying to totally. put their you know yeah. because that because otherwise, you know, I mean, You're never going to not... be
1: completely ready.
0: Yeah, like yeah. not that there's nothing wrong with drawing cute animals or anything, yeah. but but like,
1: <laughs> I do, a you lot know, of apples with faces on
0: them. Yeah, yeah it's so like it's we awesome. can we can if you want to make hard hitting work, you know, you know, swing a bat. But like I just listed out in my five points, know that you might not hit a home run. Yes, uh, you might hit it in the left field and you might get the first base. Yep. So just know that, too.
1: That is totally true. Uh, all right, so this has been a complete pleasure, and uh, I feel like there's just um, so much good stuff going on. There, you brought so many awesome things to the table, and I really appreciate it. I know all the listeners are going to just uh, eat this up. There's so many good things here. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug or any? Topic anything that you. I'm just giving you a platform to say mm. whatever you want to say before we uh, head out.
0: Nah, man. I just want everyone to eat well, eat your greens. That's good. Get a nice, get a nice chair, sit yeah, in when you work. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, if if you're feeling weird or anything, just take a walk. You know, man, nothing wrong with that. Golden. Yeah, it's all that.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Last thing, and this is the most <laughs> important thing: is uh, what kind of pizza is your uh, preference? Margarita pizza, all Margarita the way. Margarita is yeah, and underrated. it has to be
0: yeah, and like I prefer. I, maybe it's because I'm like a hipster living in Brooklyn and Queens, but. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about that like wood fire like oven that like, you know, New York's known for, you yes. know, the flat pizza because um, it's like the fact that it's flat. You can eat an entire pizza and not terrible about See, yourself. I love like- that.
1: I love that. <laughs> I, used to be, I used to be all about deep dish. Until it just, you know, as I was getting older, it was just like, yeah, you want to die. And now it's like, I can get away with eating a decent amount of pizza as long as the dish isn't that deep.
0: Yeah, Yeah. totally. And also the fact that if you go and you eat like from a non-chain. Yes. Like like I used to, when I was like in my early 20s, go and buy a $5 Hot and Ready from Little Caesar's. And just swallow the entire thing. But then I would wake up the next day feeling (laughs) awful. crazy food hangover. And just like eating pums like it was candy. And then making the same mistake again that afternoon. We used to go to the Pizza Hut
1: buffet in college and just take it for everything it was worth. It was was a disaster. It was disgusting.
0: Well, I I bet you probably feel a lot cleaner though because it cleaned you out. It did. It really (laughs) did.
1: It was its own kind of cleanse. That's a new kind of cleanse—the Pizza Hut buffet cleanse. Uh, oh my god!
0: You need to, that's that's your next what next book? Uh, the Creative <laughs> Talk presents how to clean your Bowel. That's right. Well, pizza Hut in your thirties. <laughs> Go to the buffet. Eat up all the grease, that's and right, uh, yeah, It'll take care it of it. All it get all out. the
1: toxins out. It'll bring a whole set of <laughs> new ones. But uh, anyway, hey. <laughs> Dude, the risks
0: you take. The-
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh well hey man I super super appreciate this this has uh, been a complete pleasure so thanks man
0: yeah. Thanks again uh and good luck everyone and um yeah just keep yourself out there and just know that you just take your time it's going to be fine
1: Goodness gracious, thank you so much for being on the show, for taking time out of your schedule to do this. I love you, man. I appreciate you. Go follow him on Instagram. It's O underscore Fischl. This dude was a guest for my MFBA class, my online course, uh, and he rocked it. He shared so many uh, wisdom nuggets. <laughs> For the uh in the old creative career sector. (laughs) My sentences are getting weird. It's uh six o'clock in the morning. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Seriously, man. Guys, go follow him, go share his work, and uh just show him some love. He's a good dude doing awesome stuff, and we appreciate him. He's very much part of the creative pep talk crew. Uh all right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Thanks for all the feedback. Don't forget to go fill out the listener survey. You can get it at creativepeptalk.comslash 2017 survey. Go check it out. I need your input. Um thanks guys. Thanks for listening. And uh hey, big shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for all the other tunes. You can find their stuff at Metavari no at soundcloud.com slash metavari. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody. Thanks to you guys. I couldn't appreciate it more. I love you guys. Thanks for being part of the show and the experience. I got a lot of really exciting things playing in the next uh, couple months and I can't wait to share them all with you. Uh, Next week's episode is all about doing the thing that you know you need to do, but you keep procrastinating because you're scared and how to get through that and out of limbo. So stay tuned on that, bad baby. I'm really pumped to uh, share that one with you. All right, guys. Until then, do whatever it takes to stay pepped to the max. I scared you there with a new version. I, I even... Just feel sacrilegious to not end the right way. Do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.